This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. is the 77 WABC minicast. This, of course, a uh, classic song from the film Grease, which is responsible for quite a few of the greatest iconic movie lines of all time. And I really have to give credit to our next guest. He has taken what would have been, for me, a 20-minute radio segment at 4 a.m., which is a good way to take a break from discussing, you know, people in the Middle East that want to kill each other and uh, taking calls on what people think is the greatest iconic movie lines of all time. And he's turned it into a whole book. I'm very pleased to be joined in studio by Brian Abrams, a veteran journalist and author whose latest book is You Talking to Me, The Definitive Guide to Iconic Movie Quotes. Hello, Brian. You know, we can still talk about Israel if you want. Yeah, yeah, be, be my guest. you have uh, anything? You, you want me to find someone that can scream over you as you, uh, as you sure. give your opinion? Well, I, I think the one thing that might be worth adding is that uh, the people of the West Bank and uh, in Gaza have not been able to vote for leadership for two decades. So anyone that has that idea in their head that they're somehow supporting Hamas's agenda, they don't have control over that at all. And lest anyone think that was a movie line, that's your actual <laughs> original commentary. Right. All right, you, before you wrote this book, you have um, a pretty interesting career, pretty interesting life in your own right. You've written a number of books. It seems like one of your specialties is kind of oral histories. You've written an oral history of uh, the Obama administration, oral right. history of Gawker, oral history of uh, a number of other things, David Letterman. Yeah. For people that are unfamiliar with that term, sure. I love a good oral history. What is an oral history? Okay. What is that? An oral history I would describe as a story told through interviews or through quotes. So, um, and the reason I got into that was because I, I guess about 10 years ago, I did one on Letterman's years at NBC when he was at the 1230 slot before he took over uh, at 1130 uh, at CBS. And essentially, I just went out and interviewed dozens of people involved with the show. So that's, you know, writers and that's producers or maybe it was guests Um and you transcribe all those interviews and you try to smoothly piece them together as like some giant jigsaw puzzle. So, you know, the the author of the work, like me, you don't really see me. You might feel me. You might be able to see me kind of move the conversation in certain directions. Um, but that that did really well. And that was just a digital uh, book on Amazon for three bucks. You could still get it. Hmm. And then my editor there loved it so much that we just sort of got into it and we did two or three others right after that. So, uh, for instance, if you're doing an oral history about uh, this show, you might interview me, you right. might interview the guys that work on this show, yep. and you have in the book, oh, Frank Morano says, I decided right. to do the show. You wouldn't say, once upon a time, Frank Morano decided to do a radio show, necessarily. Right. There's like section breaks where I'll jump in and try to reset it, but yeah. But basically, I would talk to you, I would talk to a producer, I would talk to aggrieved former employees, who, or whoever. It could be the janitor. It just depends on who might fit into whatever I, I think this anecdote. is not a bad 
book idea. Yeah. Uh, we have quite right. a history. All right. Um, <laughs> but in terms of the subjects you've covered, right, yeah. the Obama administration mm-hmm. and the uh, the Letterman show, mm-hmm. it seems pretty different. It yeah. seems like you have a pretty wide range of, of interests. How do you go from Obama to Letterman? Yeah. Uh, well, so Letterman was a no-brainer. I mean, I was a fan, and uh, we had started that project a year before – he was going to go off the air, so everyone was kind of anticipating a lot of like legacy stories and wanted to go. And we knew people would want to revisit the history. And from there, uh, we just started looking at subjects, my editor and I, uh, at Amazon Kindle Singles, just started looking at subjects that we both both equally obsessed over and both knew would make a good story. And so I did one on Gawker, which was really more of a story about sort of New York online media at a certain time, you know, about 15 years ago. Uh, I did one on Die Hard, and then uh, the Obama administration came around because uh, there came a time in the 2010s when a lot of pop culture writers and pop culture reporters, we were suddenly kind of shifted into the political realm Mm -hmm. because political media just consumed everything. It still has. I mean, I'm actually surprised that I'm able to come on a radio show and talk movie quotes at a time when... Politics does consume everything still, but but politics is in everything. Let's be clear. Like, you know, but uh, once upon a time, we were more innocently, innocently be able to talk about, you know, Hollywood in a way where maybe we could be divorced from from Washington. You're right. It's uh, it's sad. And I think a lot of respects, it kind of makes it makes a lot of people, you know, I hear from so many people that say I won't watch a movie because it has, say, Robert De Niro in it. And right. I don't like what he said about Donald Trump. And right. same thing I've heard of people say of John Voight, if they're on the other side yeah. of the political spectrum. And I just think you're denying yourself uh, a lot of great art yeah. because you disagree with uh, the artist. But that's, yeah, that's, that's naive. That's really naive. I mean, Clint on Eastwood is like one the, of the—, the No, on, <laughs> on their part, whoever this person is. Right. Like Clint Eastwood, you know— Libertarian politics, that doesn't agree with me, but he's like one of the great artists of our time. Right, so don't vote for him. Right, if you don't, if you don't agree with him, yeah. don't vote for him. I can't wait to watch his movies. Yeah, uh, you had an interesting interaction with Mel Brooks, my all-time favorite, <laughs> as an eight-year-old. Right. Tell me about that. Uh, wow, eight years old, uh, and my parents divorced, and I saw Spaceballs for the first time, and uh, I just connected with him. For all the obvious reasons that we would connect with yogurt or, you know, Colonel Sanders or Dark Helmet or whatever. And, President Scroob. Right, President Scroob. And, uh, you know, my mom got me to watch all the other ones and I became obsessed. And uh, I started calling Brooks Films at eight years old. Like every day, hello, may I please speak to Mel Brooks? Hello, may I please speak to Mel Brooks? Hello, may I please? I had no idea what I was doing. And the lady at the end of the phone was eventually like, kid, do you just want to make an appointment? <laughs> and I didn't even know what the word appointment meant. You know, but uh, sure enough, he called my house like three days later and we spoke and uh, I wrote about that a few years ago. And I only recently realized at the time I just thought it was a story about me as a, at a young age, like learning to sort of get my chops and reporting or interviewing in some way. But I really think it just meant that I missed my dad uh, and I was just looking for a substitute father figure. But. I mean, I can Venmo you for like a therapy. Session now, hey, I, like. I, uh, I'm hoping you can uh, give me Mel Brooks's number. I'll oh, sure. reach out to him. You mentioned Gawker, right? Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I was just watching the uh, Nobody Speak, the Gawker documentary. My wife and I were watching it the other day, and it focuses a lot on the uh, Hulk Hogan case, mm-hmm. of, uh, the sex tape and everything. We've spoken with Ben Smith about his new book, about his time at mm-hmm. Gawker as well. Gawker really was 
pretty revolutionary in terms of being a next step in online media and kind of covering pop culture. I mean, what was you, what's your view of Gawker's legacy in the media pantheon? Yeah, it's been a long time since I've talked about Gawker, but uh, I mean, I'm a fan. I, and, and I agree that they they came along at a time when sort of the major uh, sort of, you know, uh, stylish media outlets were these magazines where people had these salaries of 200 grand a year and they were taking two hour lunches and they came through and sort of stormed the gates or at least banged on the gates anyway. Uh, and it was this revolutionary period that did kind of wake everyone up and, and um, they, they were really good at uh, kind of narrating the Internet that makes any sense they were like i think the, it's a great description they were like at a time when kind of it was just i mean if we're talking like the bush years we're talking you know there were like web blogs and message boards but they came along and they became kind of the dj of the internet for whatever news stories or trend stories were happening and now it seems like we don't even think about it anymore. right right you're you exactly know. right if people are just tuning in, we're talking with brian abrams his new book is you talking to me the definitive guide to iconic movie quotes uh, some of which you might even recognize it's not a tumor nobody puts baby in a corner mongo only pawn in game of life i will look for you i will find you and i will kill you oh as if now you're in the sunken place we're not worthy! We're not worthy! We're not worthy! You've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? There is no place like home. We all go a little mad sometimes. In the last 34 seconds, I heard, I believe, seven different decades of cinema represented. And believe it or not, that's just scratching the surface in terms of the great quotes that are represented in this book, You Talking to Me. Brian, why'd you write this book? This is a fun bar conversation, a fun radio conversation, get people to share their favorite movie quotes. Why did we need a book about this? Need? I mean, I I wanted to check out, you know, get away from (laughs) politics for a minute, but... Well, politics, again, isn't everything. You can't escape it. But uh, this book started three years ago, actually, at the height of the pandemic. I was fortunate enough to work from home. And uh, I was friendly with a, with a book editor, and we were kind of going back and forth on things. And we recognized that a lot of people are just out there just sucking down three, four movies a day at home, which, by the way, like, why wouldn't you? Right, but- exactly. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.